You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy May. It is May 1st, 2023. Where in the world have the first four months of this year gone? I mean, it's already uh, I May. Know. I don't know, but you know what's happening as of today, right? I mean, there's a lot happening as of today. John Rothstein is sleeping. Ooh, you he know, is. He is. He's in, in May. Yeah, he is now sleeping with at, college basketball. At midnight Eastern time, he tweeted <laughs> out this like cartoon graphic of him in pajamas with a with a pillow and a bed behind him, and it just said May. That guy the calendar. He cannot convince me that he actually sleeps. You want to talk about a, a guy? Robot. I think he's. A yeah, robot. you want to talk about a guy that covers college basketball better than just about anybody else? It's John Rothstein. But uh, yes, happy May. Uh, happy Monday as well. He texts every single coach in the country when they have a game day and um, wishes them luck every one in division one basketball that's 363 coaches and after every team wins he has a special saying for each team that he tweets out when they Auburn win a basketball, basketball game welcome to the jungle welcome to the jungle my favorite one is tom Izzo when he tweets out every month of of the of the year for tom Izzo and michigan state i think he's got to find a new one for a certain school yeah it doesn't play well considering the events of the past year yeah i mean we we could just let that one slide we'll just let that, <laughs> we'll just let that one go but happy may happy monday hope you're all doing well hope y'all had a fantastic weekend this is the uh monday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back i'm jacob goins he's carter bird you've got us for the next two hours right here on espn 106.7 man we've got so much to talk about today two hours is just not going to cover it so we'll do our absolute best uh but that's what the rest of the week is for is catching up with the craziness in sports around uh, the playoffs for NHL NBA uh, the college transfer portal for football and for basketball you've got baseball going on college baseball college softball uh, I mean you name it it's going on right now man there yeah. is so much to talk about in the world of sports I mean I think we should we should just describe um, some baseball teams um, in this city with the Undertaker gif yeah because they're back from the dead. They, Holy cow. Somehow, someway, Auburn baseball decided they were going to walk into South Carolina and take care of business. And should have swept. Should have. Should have swept. And they got so close to doing it. I mean, they were within a run to do it. But we'll talk about that throughout the show. Off at first. You can't get backpicked by the catcher at first base. Yeah. Especially when you're this elite base runner. The high school national uh, stolen base career leader. It happens. I mean, it's it's a tough way to for it to happen, but I mean, it, it does happen at times. But yes, we will talk about that coming up later on today. Uh, we're going to get you caught up on 
what has been an insane time in sports. The month of April has been crazy, and it flows into May as well. We'll get you caught up on everything you need to know that happened over the weekend. We'll give you our best and worst things we saw from this weekend. Then we'll update you on the Auburn football transfer portal, guys that are leaving, potential guys that are coming in, guys that are visiting. Um... There's a lot to talk about there, so we'll get to that coming up at about 2.30 today here in hour number one. Then in hour number two, we'll talk about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball, who both got big wins over the weekend, get you caught up on some basketball portal news, some football portal news again, and then coming up at 3.30, our good buddy Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, he'll reiterate everything we talk about, give us some things that he saw and is hearing around the athletics department right now for Auburn Athletics. So very, very busy show. But until then, until Jacob Hillman joins us at 3.30, we'd love to hear from you, our, our wonderful listeners here on On The Line. Give us a call and be a part of the show. Be on the line, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us at ESPN1067 on Twitter. You can shoot us a comment, question, concern on your Twitter account. Just tag us at ESPN1067. And Carter, let's get into this thing because it was an, an unbelievably busy weekend yes. in sports with I mean we got the Braves on right now who were supposed to have a big series against the Mets and rain had other plans for that and so they're trying to get it in right now uh that's been they sort of a they aren't going to be able to get all, all I don't think so in, right? no I don't think so because two of them were postponed and so yes. they are playing right now uh but I don't I don't know what the protocol is luckily they've got time they've got plenty of time this year to make up that singular game right Uh, i know that one of the two games is being made up today because they're doing the the seven inning double headers uh so the braves are trying to hang on to game one of that and they would that point in time by the fact that one of these games is not going to be played today um That'd be a serious win for these Atlanta Braves. Which would be big. We talked about how important it is for the Braves to go on the road and get a win against a really tough squad uh, in the Mets, which seems like they're doing that right now. They're holding on to a very slim 6-5 to five lead. Uh, you look around at what happened in sports this weekend. Folks, if you have not been watching the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, you're just missing out. I'm sorry. You're missing out on some fantastic games and performances in sports. And look, I know I know we're in the wrong area of the country for this, but the NBA and NHL playoffs have been some of the best I've ever seen. You had Stephen Curry yesterday of the Golden State Warriors score the most points in a Game 7 in the history of the NBA playoffs. He dropped a 50-bomb yesterday for the Warriors to take out the Sacramento Kings, possibly the hottest team in the West, to take them out on their home floor. And Golden State moves on yet again to advance and take on LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Stephen Curry is that dude, and he dropped a 50-bomb yesterday to show and to prove everybody the Golden State Warriors are not going anywhere. There's still a team to to worry about with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and they're going to face LeBron and, and the Lakers in what should be a fantastic series. So the NBA playoffs have been fantastic. Yeah, they, they absolutely have been. We've seen um, a lot of excitement. We saw that Lakers series was really good against the Grizzlies. We saw the Warriors series against the Kings. That series was awesome. Now you get... 
LeBron versus Steph and Clay and Draymond, um, which is something we've over time become accustomed to. But it's been a little bit since we've seen this matchup. Uh, so it's good to see that again. Um, Jimmy Butler has become him the greatest playoff player of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, I mean, they always make those jokes. I don't know if, if you recall these, how like Jimmy Butler looks like Michael Jordan in terms of like how they physically look and uh, how Jimmy Butler, <laughs> there's the ridiculous conspiracy theory that uh, Jimmy Butler is secretly Michael Jordan's son <laughs> and like he's playing like it. He is. He's absolutely he's playing, playing like it. it. Look at the Miami Heat. The eighth seed in the East took down the one-seeded Bucks four to one. Now, yes, Giannis did have uh, some some injury problems, but Miami took advantage of it. They beat the Bucks in round one, and then they beat New York in game one in Madison Square Garden. And so the eighth seeded Miami Heat are up one nothing in the second round. I mean, you can't... They're just on a roll, man. They're on a roll. But, like, I feel like in recent years, we've seen this Heat team with Eric Spolstra, with Jimmy Butler, when he decides, you know, I'm going to be unbelievably difficult to handle, and I'm going to make our team a really tough out, and I'm going to put the entire team on my back. I mean, we saw it in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, Bam Adebayo. Like, we've seen this Heat team be so difficult just to kind of dispatch and get rid of in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You look so on, I'm not that shocked, even yeah. though they were the eight seed. No, I'm not either, and I'm not shocked that they have made noise in the playoffs. You look at the other side, the Phoenix Suns, the new-look Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant. Yeah, they take down the Clippers, who have flopped yet again in the postseason because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard just decide they can't ever play and stay healthy, and so... I, they're done. I mean, I don't know what to say about that Clippers team. They just can't stay healthy, and they do this load management Are they thing. The biggest, okay, all season long, and yet they're still injured for the postseason. Here's a question for you: Which conglomeration of talent is a bigger disappointment? The Clippers, who have that group's been together, Paul George, Kawhi. Remember when they came together initially? It was oh my gosh. How are they not going to win all of the championships? And it was like they were this favorites. They were they were walking around and they were really arrogant. Even in the bubble, like there was uh, stories about them just being wildly arrogant and talking all this trash, like they won all these championships and they hadn't. They've been together longer. It has not done. They have not done a thing. With the Nets when they had KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, and watched that implode and on a much shorter. Timetable, time frame. It's got to be the Nets for me. I think those three guys, how, Harden. How close are those two, though, in terms of just epic failure? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty close. I, this number may not be exact, but it's pretty close. I'm pretty sure that Harden, Durant, and Irving played a combined, like, 18 games or something together. Like, they did not play very many games together. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Injuries uh, and off-the-court well, stuff. And How many I said 18. Say? It was 16. 16, so even worse. Okay, I knew I was somewhere in there. They, they, were, they were 13 and 3 in those 16 games. Shocker, because those three guys are Hall of Famers. 
and the fact that they were the three of them were on a team at the same time, but yet played 16 games together and imploded is unbelievable. It makes it a little bit worse than the Clippers, but look at the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. They added Russell Westbrook, who has been playing the best baseball of his, or the best basketball. Sorry, I looked at the TV with baseball. The best basketball in the last five years of his career right now with the Clippers, and yet they still get bounced four to one well, yeah, in the playoffs. Well, yeah, that was like available to play games. I know. It's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Way, that that the fact that Ronald Acuna can hit a double on a swing like that shows you how freaky good he is. Yeah. I just looked up and saw him. He's fooled. It's one of those butt out extension, just try to put a bat on the ball, and he flips it in the right center gap, perfectly placed where where the uh where Starling Marte and the right fielder could not catch it, and he gets a double off it. To, to open the seventh inning. He's kind of good he's at baseball. He's so good, man. <laughs> he's kind of good he at this baseball He had a 448-foot home run to start yeah. this game. Yeah, he did. And the Braves are up 6-5 to five with a chance to extend it. But, uh, yeah, if you again, if you have not been watching the NBA playoffs and then the NHL playoffs, dude, it's been unbelievable. And NHL I, again, playoffs have been nuts. It's been, re- like, historically crazy in the NHL. And I know, again, there's not a lot of hockey fans here, and I understand that. But you're doing yourself – a disservice if you're not watching the postseason. What else is on? What else is on right now? Regular season baseball? Come on, man. There's playoffs on right now. And NHL's been fantastic. The NBA's been fantastic. Third game seven of of the opening round tonight yeah. between the Rangers and Devils. Third game seven in just two days. There were two of them last night and one tonight. And those are the two best words in sports. Game seven. You had a game seven in the NBA yesterday with the Warriors and the Kings. That was fantastic. I mentioned Stephen Curry going off for 50 points. Again, he set the NBA record. Like Steph Curry had to add anything else to his resume. But he said, yeah, let me add one more thing. I've now scored the most points ever in a game seven in the NBA playoffs. He scored 50 yesterday mm-hmm. for the Warriors to move on. But yes, three game sevens in the opening round of the NHL playoffs. Uh, one of them we don't have to talk about. It's okay if you if you don't want to bring that one up. There is a good I'm, one tonight. I'm going to bring it up because you have to from this aspect. Right now, going into the second round, the defending champion Avalanche... They're out because they got upset by the Seattle Kraken, who are in year two as a franchise. First play, first postseason series in, in franchise history and only their second year of being in, in existence. Exactly. It's very similar to that that Vegas Golden Knights team, which actually, that was more impressive because they made the postseason in year one. And they made a run to the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the two Stanley Cups before the Avalanche, they're out. They got upset by the Maple Leafs of all teams. Which, do you know how long it's been since they won a playoff series? That's their first series win in the playoffs since 2004. And they've been in the playoffs a lot. Been in the playoffs a lot. Um, <laughs> they've been there a lot. Your Boston Bruins, who had the best regular season of all time, most wins, most points, because of course the, the NHL the NHL has like a modified soccer table scoring setup where you get two points for a win and one point for an overtime loss. Soccer, you get three points for a win and one point for a draw. They set the record for wins and the record for points. And they played a team that barely, in the last like two days of the regular season, snuck into the playoffs. They get upset in Game 7, just like the Avalanche did yesterday. And so 
probably the three biggest named teams just in off recency bias. And arguably, I mean, the Bruins were the best regular season team um, ever. They're all out. They're all out before the second round. Yeah. I think it's something like uh, the last three 60-plus win teams in the NHL, I think, have all been bounced in the first round. Yeah, and the President's Cup trophy curse lives on. The President's Cup is given to uh, it's given to the best team in the regular season in the NHL, and they the winner of that, the best team in the regular season, the President's Cup trophy winner, has not won the Stanley Cup in 10 years. Last team to do it was, I believe it was Chicago in 2013 when they beat my Boston Bruins. I think that's the last team that did it. And so that is... What's happening right now? Yes, the Boston Bruins yesterday, and again, not a ton of hockey people down here, but this is history. History was made multiple times in this first round. You mentioned the Boston Bruins, the best team that has ever been put together in the regular season, best performance. They get bounced in the first round in Game 7 at home yesterday in overtime to the Florida Panthers. Uh, I will say really quick, Boston played a terrible series. They played sloppy. They played slow. They played un motivated they deserved to lose that series they did they absolutely deserved it they did not play well i watched all seven games and they played horrible compared to what they did in the regular season i got to watch a lot of game six and game seven in that series and there's two moments that stick out to me that if they just go the other way we're talking drastically different different about this bruins team there was the shot yesterday that beats um swayman Beats Bobrovsky. Oh, you're talking. Oh, oh, the Panthers. Hits the crossbar of the goal and just does not ricochet in. It was. It beat him. It very easily could have been a goal. It did not work out. Goalie's best friend is a crossbar. Game before, when it's tied, about to go to overtime, because the Panthers won the last two games in overtime, I believe. Correct. Mm -hmm. Weird bounce of the puck right before the end of the third period. And you've got um, Martian one-on-one going for the goal, breakaway, and just can't can't beat him yep. before time expires. I think he gets the shot off with 0.6 seconds left, yeah. and it's a great save. If there's more time on the clock, the defender for the Panthers who cl- tries to clean it up, he almost scores on his goalie too. Yeah, well, it would have been after time expired. There was enough time. If Marshall would have scored originally, it would have gone in, yes, and they yes, would have won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, I it, think back to those two moments, and they very easily could have gone the other way, and the Bruins would be in the second round. It was brutal, man. It, it was a brutal series, and they deserved to lose. So there was history there. The best regular season team in 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 history of the NHL loses in the first round. You had the Toronto Maple Leafs who have not won a playoff series since 2004. They win their first playoff series in almost 20 years. And then we mentioned the Seattle Kraken who in their second year of existence beat the defending Stanley Cup champions at home in their place in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And they're moving on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you may not be a hockey fan, but man, history was made over the weekend in the Stanley Cup playoffs. One more game seven tonight. You mentioned it, uh, the Devils and the Rangers, and then and then the second round. So that's just a snippet of what happened over the weekend in sports. It's been unbelievable. By the way, I want to get this in before we we hit a break. This Braves lineup is so good. Sean Murphy three run home run. Braves nice. up nine two five. Just going like to that. The-
bottom of the last inning, bottom of the seventh. Just on this like that. So in the doubleheader, Braves take a very nice lead there at City Field. We got to get to our first break here in hour number one. But when we come back, we'll give you the best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend. Talking all the things getting you caught up on this Monday afternoon. Give us a call at 334-321-1390. We'll be back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, like a sports leader, Jacob Goethe's Carter Bird with you on the Monday edition of On the Line as we uh, do our best to get you updated on everything that happened over the weekend in what was a wild into the month of April and a wild weekend in sports. You had the conclusion of the NFL draft. You had a bunch of baseball going on. We just talked about a lot of NBA, NHL, uh, just so much going on in the world of sports. And Carter, want to open this up to you and, and to our listeners as well. 334-321-1390. The best and worst things we saw over the weekend. I want to start this segment and kind of get this going on a Monday because I think it's interesting to look back at and what is such a crazy weekend in sports. The best and worst things that you saw. It could be any sport. It can be any player, any given situation. doesn't matter. Best and worst things that you saw in sports over the weekend. All right, best things. Um, I'm going to start with just the carnage in the NHL playoffs. Just how crazy it was uh, to see so many huge name teams lose in the first round. I think it was so exciting. We see we've seen so many overtime games this postseason already, and uh, I think John Boyce has a has a really great uh, tweet about. Um, <laughs> Uh, playoff hockey, and I'm going to see if I can find it, but it's it really is um, amazing uh, when you watch an overtime game just because it's a, in soccer, kind of golden goal situation, and uh, so next team to score wins. It's stressful. So, That's what it is. It's stressful. so fast-paced. It gets so physical because every single moment matters. Every moment matters, and it's so much fun to watch. I'm going to start there. I'm going to go to... I don't give a lot of props to the Dallas Cowboys. I don't. But did you see Deuce Vaughn... Very cool. ...getting to be drafted by the Cowboys, the team that his dad works for as a college scout? Did you watch the video of their reaction in the room? Did you watch the... When the Cowboys put out the video with all the audio and everything, just how cool of a moment that is. By the way, the uh, John Boyce tweet is from 2014. Uh, why, why watch overtime playoff hockey when you can simply um, do an illicit drug and ride a motorcycle out of a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though, man. It really is. It's, just, it's, it's just pure adrenaline. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so those are the two best things I saw this weekend, in my mind. Um and then the worst thing, which I guess this may not be as much of a... I guess it's kind of a weekend thing. Dylan Brooks is soft, man. Dylan Brooks tries all tries so hard to be an agitator, be a tough guy for his team, yada, 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 talk all this trash. And then when things go wrong, he like no comments in the media and just bounces. Like, that's soft, man. Yeah, you aren't, it was. You aren't the big tough guy that you... That you 
put this persona on to be, and then LeBron trolls him all over social media after as he, he wins. should. It, well, you're you choosing see, the you wrong see, person to talk trash to. Did you see the the Instagram post? I did. Yeah. If you see me in the woods fighting a grizzly bear, Better help the bear. <laughs> call help for the bear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Dylan Brooks. He tried, right? He tried to talk trash and be the bad guy and be the enemy and, and whatever. You got to own it well, no matter which way it goes. Yep, you're right. And he could not. And the Grizzlies got beat by the Lakers, bro. The Lakers are not a good team. They're not. They are not a good team. Golden State will beat the Lakers easily and will move on in the NBA playoffs. But very good answers there. Best and worst things that I saw over the weekend. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys thing was extremely cool. That was a very, very special moment and something that somebody had to think of, and I'm glad that they thought of that, and I'm glad they ran with that. So that was a very cool moment. Speaking of the Golden State Warriors, best thing I saw over the weekend, I already mentioned it, Steph Curry going off for 50 points in Game 7 yesterday against the Sacramento Kings. Stephen Curry is 35 years old, ladies and gentlemen. 35 years old. Of all the people listening right now, if you're 35 and up, or if you're even close to the age of 35, imagine not only playing an NBA, a professional basketball game, in the playoffs, Game 7, on the road, and Steph Curry dropped the most points ever in the history of the NBA playoffs in a Game 7. 50 points did Stephen Curry. He extended... His massive resume in the Golden State Warriors take down the Sacramento Kings, who everybody around the country had come together and was cheering for because they wanted to light the beam. They wanted De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk to be it. And it was a lot of fun to watch that Sacramento team. But the best thing I saw was Stephen Curry reminding the world who he is and who that Golden State team is. Don't bet against the champs. Don't bet against them. Stephen Curry is one of the greatest players that's ever lived and played the game of basketball. That was the best thing I saw this weekend. The worst thing? Yeah, it was my Boston Bruins. It was the Bruins. Yeah. A historically good team. The best team historically in the regular season. A team that could not be touched in the regular season. And they lose at home in overtime in Game 7 to a Florida Panthers team that had to go on a six or seven game win streak and had to go dummy down the de- down the stretch in the last two weeks to get into the postseason. And 20 of the overall losses, 21 of the overall losses for the Bruins this year, six came from the Florida Panthers. That's the worst thing I saw this weekend, was a historically great team go down in the first round. But when we come back, we'll talk about all the news with Auburn football in the transfer portal. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Let's get into some Auburn football transfer portal news because just like it was a busy weekend around the sports world, it was a busy weekend here in Auburn because... Auburn football had, look, just lots of news going on, right? You had uh, guys enter their name in the transfer portal. You had guys coming out visits for uh, the transfer portal. And here's what's important. It's May 1st, and you know what that means, Carter. The transfer portal 
is officially closed to enter your name. You can still pick your school. If you're in the portal, you can still choose to go to a school or come back to where you were, but you can no longer enter your name in the transfer portal for the spring window from April 15th to April 30th. So what that means is now the, the shock of somebody entering their name will no longer be there. Now it's just a waiting game to see who's going to go where. And Auburn saw uh, some guys enter their name in the portal from Auburn. They are bringing guys on campus. And so it was a busy weekend for Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. Just the transfer portal in general, man. It, it was very, very busy here in Auburn. Oh, I think that there were a lot of guys on campus um, to the point that I think there may only be some that we even know about. Uh, I know that Casey Thompson, the Nebraska quarterback, was on campus. Uh, Jalen McLeod, the App State Jack transfer, he was on campus. Uh, I think his name was Ukwu, the the JMU uh, transfer. Uh, his Both of those guys are absolute studs. I think Auburn is heavy after both of them. Uh, you had, I believe his name is Isaac Ukwu. Last year in 11 games, uh, 40 total tackles, 10.5 for a loss, 7.5 sacks. Uh, that's just his, his um, stats from last year because JMU was in year one as a D1 uh, program. The year before that, it was 43 total tackles, 16.5 for a loss, 9 sacks. So he's a guy over the last two years has gotten 16.5 sacks, one of those years at the FCS level. And then he came to the Sun Belt. He came to the FBS level, a good Sun Belt, mind you, and put forth very similar numbers. Uh, Jalen McLeod, another Jack, a guy who 41 tackles, 7.5 for a loss, 6 sacks last year. If you recall, he was dominant, dominant in the App State upset over Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. That was the guy that reeked havoc on the, the final play i know so he only gets credit for one forced fumble last year that is a lie let me tell you why the final play that seals the win for app state he beats the tackle he strips the quarterback the offensive guard picks it up and is trying to run for first down i guess and he gets up Runs that guy down and strips the ball from him. He has two forced fumbles on one play yeah. against Texas A and M. Yeah, he was a he was a, a dominant force in that game, and everybody across the country was talking about him and just the the havoc that he was on that side of the football. Uh, and people forgot about him after that, but he never went anywhere. He continued to dominate, and so yeah, very big name for him. Uh, one name that sticks out to me. How about in the wide receiver room? How about Caleb Burton, the Ohio State wide receiver transfer who was on campus yesterday, uh, according to reports, and uh, he said he was surprised. He said, I enjoyed it a lot. This is what Caleb Burton, again, a former top 75 recruit, Ohio State wide receiver, and uh, we've seen some Ohio State receivers transfer out of Columbus, Ohio, and become pretty darn good. Let Let me say this as well. If there is an Ohio State wide receiver, that you are capable of getting in the transfer portal, go and get him. Go and get him. There is not a better wide receiver coach in the entire country at evaluating guys, developing guys, turning them into studs than Brian Hartline at Ohio State. He's now the offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach there, but he has produced some 
dudes, JSN, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Garrett Wilson, all of those guys. And I know I'm missing the other, the other Ohio State first-round pick, uh, Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Heck, I'd give him more credit than Alabama for Jamison Williams. Jamison, like, Jamison Williams was a first-round draft pick that couldn't crack the top four at Ohio State. And I tell you what, the best one of that entire group, Marvin Harrison Jr., is still on campus at Ohio State. He is going to be a first-round pick. He is going to win the Bolitnikoff this year because they're just going to force-feed him the ball because he's nasty. And they should. He's unbelievable. If he doesn't get hurt against – if he doesn't get absolutely lit up and concussed against uh, Georgia, Georgia wins – or Ohio State wins that game and wins a national championship because he was wrecking them. Ekbuka, he was pretty good this past year as their number two. But there is a decent chance – Caleb Burton could walk in and be one of the most talented guys in Auburn's receiving room and play a significant role. There's no doubt. It's just, it's tough to do at Ohio State, man. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. He was a a top 75 recruit in the country and could not find playing time at Ohio State. And look, I don't want our listeners to, and Auburn fans to be like, well, if he couldn't play there, why couldn't he play here? No, let's just be, let's, let's make a couple of points here. Ohio State's receiving room is one of the best, if not the best, in the entire country. And the fact that a top 75 recruit can't find playing time there has nothing to do with with him. It has everything to do with the talent that's already there. And as you mentioned, Ohio State pumps out NFL-level receivers, whether it's drafted from Ohio State or in the the transfer portal. And so Auburn bringing Caleb Burton on campus, a top 75 recruit, he was on campus, and here's what he had to say. He said, quote, I enjoyed it a lot. He said, I enjoyed talking to everybody and learning a whole bunch of things. Really messed with uh, Coach Marcus Davis. Everything I've seen so far has been exciting. Nice campus. Met some of the guys on the team, and they seemed really cool. And so it seems like he had a pretty good visit yesterday. And he wasn't the only receiver on campus. Montana Lamanius Craig. Unbelievable name. You nailed that, by the way. Unbelievable name out of Colorado last year, which, look, let's be honest, Colorado was not a good team last year. I think that's fair to say. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought we were still doing seven-inning doubleheaders, so the Braves are still going right now. Hmm. 23 catches, 359 yards, three touchdowns, was dominant in their spring game. Yes, he was dominant in the spring game and received a ton of noise in that spring game. Now, I will say about him, uh, a performance in in the spring game, I'm holding myself from getting super excited about it because try not to ride the middle of the fence here. Because if you've listened to this show or if you know me or heard my clips, wherever you've heard them, you know that I'm just not a fan of spring games. And even if a guy pops off in the spring game, it's a spring game. Let's just hold on for a second, right? Not saying the guy's not good, not saying he can't play, but I'm not going to run with a spring game performance and say, Auburn's got to go get him. He dominated the Colorado spring game. Like, I can't I can't well, get behind that. But I'm not saying he's not good. I mean, he's got a stat line from last year that – one guy on Auburn's roster had in Javaris Johnson, which is and fair. He's a bigger guy, 6'2", 180. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a little lean. Gonna would like to beef him up a little bit, but he can play, and he can probably crack that starting rotation for Auburn. 
and I think it's important that Auburn's getting big name receivers on campus. They're getting big names all over the field on campus and from all over the country, but getting big name wide receivers and you can guarantee playing time. That's what Auburn gives you right now. You go after two big name wide receivers, you walk, you can tell them when you walk in the door, you're going to be the dude. You're going to be number one, number two. If you're talking Caleb Burton or or some of these other guys. And so that's what Auburn's benefit is right now. And they had some big names on campus this weekend. We'll talk about who is leaving Auburn in the transfer portal coming up in just a minute. But want to get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. And Levi, you're on the line. Welcome in. How's it going, guys? Long time no see. It's been about a few weeks since I've seen you guys. But yeah. uh, I had a little all-day one to call in because uh, – you were talking about Ohio State and how their receivers, like, you could not be more right on that. I mean, you think about, you got Jamison Williams, who was who could not crack the, couldn't even get on the field, yeah, really, at Ohio exactly. State. Those Alabama first-round pick. Even had a guy like Terry McCoy, who is an NFL stud. He really didn't do that much at Ohio State. I mean, nobody was talking about him when he was going into the draft. Dude's an absolute stud in the NFL. I mean, you look at NFL rosters littered with dudes at Ohio State that you don't even know played for them. Because they didn't do anything there. They're just that good. Yeah. And and honestly, if if there is a guy that Brian Hartline ever wants that hits the wanted coming out of high school that hits the transfer portal, I am willing to take that risk to to pick him up if I am a coach. Because I see there is not a better wide receiver coach in America than Brian Hartline and what he does with receivers. If if he if there's somebody he wanted at some point that hits the portal, I'm willing to take a flyer on it. No, I 100 percent agree. That's why I wanted to call in and tell y'all that because I mean, you like you said, there's not a better receiver coach in the country, especially with what they're putting out. And I mean, let, let's be honest, Auburn is going to need plenty of receiver receiving help. Yeah. You said that right before I came on. Mm-hmm. You can you can kind of sell that fact of hey. You come here, you could be top dog. You are going to see the you are going to see the field because I mean it's it's pretty bare, especially a guy that caliber. I mean, you might as well take a flyer on him. I I trust what I've seen from Ryan Hartline at Ohio State, just enough to be like, you know what? It, it's worth it's worth just bringing him in. I mean, it's worth trying to see if he wants to come here. Right, exactly. And you know, Auburn saw a guy leave through the transfer portal this weekend in that room and so yeah just getting big guys on big names on campus and and like you mentioned Levi being able to talk to a guy and say hey you come here you're going to see the field you may not have played at Ohio State doesn't mean you're not good come here and be our guy and and when you have a quarterback on campus this weekend as well I mean that speaks very 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 high to what Hugh Freeze and this staff are doing and if you're a big time player like Caleb Burton a receiver from Ohio State I think you got to like what you're seeing at Auburn. Oh, absolutely. All right, y'all. I'll let y'all go to y'all's little, uh, y'all, y'all's little break before the hour turns. I'll tell y'all later, all right? Appreciate, Appreciate it, it, Levi. Good to talk to you, brother. Hope all was well with you. 334-321-1390. And so, yeah, big names on campus this weekend. Big names that have entered the portal receiving interest from Auburn. But And it, there will be more visits coming up. Yes. Uh, there's rumors about potential quarterback visits coming up um well you mentioned casey thompson who was already on campus this week yes he was on campus this weekend uh somebody i expect auburn to be very heavily after i think he's going to be talked about a lot along with peyton thorne the michigan state quarterback who two years ago was a stud 
a stud at Michigan State. That Michigan State roster. On a bad Michigan a, was, State roster. Well, no, no, no. Two years ago, they were great. Well, I'm talking like Last this past year, year, they were really bad. Yes. And that's why I think that's part of the reason why you saw the numbers dip. He didn't have Kenneth Walker. He didn't have some of the, the transfer in guys he had two years ago that left to go to the NFL. Um, Larry Nixon, the North Texas linebacker, he's going to be on campus, I believe, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, he's a guy that over his career at North Texas, 244 tackles, five and a half sacks. I mean, these are intriguing names. And we knew that at some point the portal had to heat up a little bit, and it just turned out with the short portal window, a lot of it was right there at the very end, which makes some sense to me. Guys evaluating their future. And when the deadline got closer and closer, we saw more and more decisions. I mean, we saw Peyton Thorne hit the portal the morning of the day that it closes. Yeah, and with all and with some spring practices wrapping up over the weekend too. I mean, there were there were a lot of factors that this portal window was different than it has been in a long time, and that's why you maybe didn't see the the craziness and the chaoticness, right? But there are some big names in there right now, and yeah. so Auburn is Auburn is going after them. They're making some noise. They're making phone calls. They're getting guys on campus. Auburn just offered another receiver in the transfer portal, Cody Epps, the BYU receiver, who entered the portal on Sunday. He's a guy, legitimately, really stout numbers last year. I think he played in eight games. I think he was banged up for part of the year. But in those eight games, 39 receptions, 459 yards, six touchdowns. There are three guys in that portal right now at receiver that, whether it's Montana, Lamontius, Craig, Cody Epps, two guys who have who have the production for you to be able to be like, I feel good about that guy being able to come in and give us an upgraded receiver room, upgraded playing time, guys on the field being better. Caleb Burton is a little more on potential because you haven't seen it on the field. But all three of those guys, I feel confident based on where they're leaving or the numbers that they've put up, they ended up on Auburn's campus they'd be in the top two, three receivers on the roster. And we talk about this all the time. That's what the transfer portal is supposed to be, right? You use the transfer portal to fill the holes and to improve your roster. And when guys leave, how can you upgrade from the guys that have left? And in Auburn's case, how can you upgrade from the guys that are on the roster right now? And that's what Auburn's trying to do, not just at the receiver position, but just about all the positions on this team and the receiver, we just sort of went down this hole because it's exciting to see what Auburn could be at receiver if they go and get one, two, three of these guys that we've been talking about. And while they, some of these guys have solid stats at BYU or Colorado or wherever, not only can you bring them in with given experience, you have a chance to make them even better on a improved Auburn roster in the SEC with hopefully an improved quarterback, whether it's through the transfer portal or one of the guys on the roster that's gotten better, you have a chance to make the transfer portal wide receivers even better and you go after a guy that has really high potential. Auburn should be excited about the names that are popping off in the wide receiver room when it comes to the transfer portal. Now, you still got to secure them, right? You still got to get them in the door and sign the papers, but Auburn's making some noise there. When we come back, we'll talk about quickly the names that have left Auburn. They've entered their name in the transfer portal. Uh, We'll talk about what that means for Auburn and how they can fill those holes as we wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goetz. He's Carter Bird. Uh, we appreciate our caller Levi calling in to talk football for just a few minutes. And we'd love to hear from you as well at 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. We're talking uh, Auburn football transfer portal updates. We talked uh, a lot about the names that are flying around for Auburn getting offers on campus. We'll talk more about it coming up in hour number two, uh, especially when Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us at 3.30. But the names that are uh, leaving Auburn or potentially leaving Auburn through the transfer portal. We saw some guys enter their names this weekend. Uh, Landon King, Dylan Brooks, Colby Smith. Those are three big names that entered their name into the transfer portal this weekend. Uh, I think when you look at those guys, they were names on Auburn's roster that had potential to be solid. Landon King, I think, is the one that Auburn fans are going to really look back on and just be like, wow, I think that was a missed opportunity with Landon King. He was solid, and I think he could have been better. He was just one of those guys in an era of Auburn football that maybe wasn't the best in history. So um, I think between Landon King and Dylan Brooks, those are two names that it kind of hurts to see him go. I'm not sure it does. I think Landon King probably hurts the most. Um, I think, if you want my opinion, I think Brian Harson and his staff ruined Landon King. Because it was a traffic jam at tight end. He probably wasn't going to get on the field last year. They came to him <clears throat> and said, hey, will you drop some weight and play receiver? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I just don't think he has that high-end speed you need. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't even have above-average speed for a receiver. And I think the worst thing that happened for him was when they asked him to cut weight. He needed to, if anything, continue to get bigger and play as a true tight end. I think I blame Brian Harson and Eric Keysaw for ruining the Landon King Auburn experiment. I think it could have gone a lot better. Now, having said all of that, I don't view this <clears throat> for Auburn as a significant loss because. What was he going to give you this year? Right, and he's that's still he's still he's in between positions. Right, and he's that's the thing. Enough. He's not big enough to be a tight end still. Yeah, and he's too slow to be a receiver. I know he's six five, but this is a guy that caught six passes for eighty three yards and a touchdown. I think he's got great potential, and I wish nothing but the best. I love his mindset. I really respect him. I respect a lot about him. I I was fortunate enough to get to know him. He's a really good kid, a really good guy. And he'll go somewhere, and he'll play really hard, and he'll probably find somewhere where he can make an impact. He's the most significant one. Dylan Brooks, that doesn't mean anything to me. We barely saw him. The only reason why we did see him is because he had two injuries at the edge position last year. Eculiota tore his pack in a thin position, and he was out for the rest of the year. He played out of necessity. He was highly rated, yes. He was. But he could never... Put on the weight. He can never make the impact. Colby Smith, I don't think he was ever going to play. Which I'm not worried about that one. I don't think these departures impact Auburn in 2023 or 2024 hardly at all. Our number one in the book. Stay tuned. We'll talk more Auburn football, Auburn athletics news after a busy weekend here on the Plains.
The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy May 1st. We are four months into the year of 2023. It's crazy how time flies when you're having fun. And that's what we're doing here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Carter Bird. If you missed any of hour number one as we are getting underway here in hour number two, you can go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com, commercial free right after the show today. Or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Again, it'll be uploaded commercial free right after the show today. So be sure you go and catch up with that later on this evening if you're looking for something to listen to. We talked about uh, the busy, busy weekend in sports, gave you a big old recap of the best and worst things we saw from over the weekend, and lots of Auburn football transfer portal updates that we talked about. And I'm sure we'll get into some more of that here in hour number two. So again, if you missed any of the podcast, be sure to go and find it after the show today, commercial-free at ESPNAU.com. But here in hour number two, we're going to recap a busy weekend in Auburn athletics because baseball got the win, softball got the win, lots of transfer portal stuff with basketball and with football, so that's what we're talking about. It's all Auburn here in hour number two because coming up at 3.30, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us, our usual Monday 3.30 guest. He will be uh, joining us in about 30 minutes on the phone lines to recap all the action in Auburn athletics with baseball, softball, football, basketball, you name it, he knows it. And so we'll talk to him coming up at 3.30. But until then, you know the drill. Phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You can also tweet at us at ESPN1067 on Twitter. You can send us your comments, questions, concerns, and just tag at espn one zero six seven and Carter, we have to start in one place and one place only. Auburn baseball. Coming off of the midweek loss at Troy, you did get the the series win over Mississippi State last or the previous weekend, but then you come back home and you lose the midweek game to Troy eight to seven. The vibes were not high for this Auburn team and for the Auburn fan base because Auburn faced the toughest two-weekend stretch in the entire country across the entire season, going on the road at number 2 South Carolina before coming home for number 1 LSU. But what did Auburn do? They went on the road on Friday night, and they won 8-3 to in the game in the series opener. And then they backed it up with a 9-5 to win on Saturday to get the series win. And on Sunday, they were so close to getting the series sweep. They fall Should've short 8-7. to But no complaints here for Auburn fans and Auburn media and people that cover Auburn because the Tigers go into Columbia, South Carolina, and take down the number two team in the country. Yeah, how about it? I mean, you go on the road, 
depending on the poll you look at, number two, number three, South Carolina, a team that has been a handful, hit scores so many runs, hit so many home runs, uh, and you largely keep them in check in the first two games. Uh, you jump out to a a six to one lead, uh, powered by a monster Cole Foster home run. By the way, Chris Stanfield stole home to open the scoring for Auburn on the weekend. Uh, love to see that. Uh, he's had a pretty remarkable uh, two weeks of of defensive plays, uh, heads up, base running. I love what I've seen out of him out of, as being a true freshman. Uh, then you see the offense just kind of kept rolling, kept figuring stuff out. And then on on you hang on to that eight to three win uh, was never really in doubt. They finally cut it to after you got that six to one lead in the fifth. They finally cut it to a five a five run deficit again after you or really a four run deficit in the fifth. You extend it back out, but they never got once you got it to five. They really only cut it to four for a brief second. They were never really that close to coming back and winning that game. Um, you got great performances out of the top of the lineup. Stanfeld, a couple hits. Bobby Pierce, a couple hits. Ike Irish, a couple hits and a sack fly. Uh, Cooper McMurray, a couple hits. Bryson Ware, a couple hits as well. Just the top five, six guys in the order really got it done in that first game. Uh, the pitching was pretty good, too. Tommy Vale gave you an opportunity to win, giving up two runs in five innings. Uh, you you only walked seven guys, so it's getting better. It's getting better. It's Tanner, getting Bauman, better. Tanner Bauman goes 49 pitches, uh, goes three innings, and really was pretty stout. I mean, he gave up a single run, but when you get eight innings out of your first two guys um, out there and you only give up three runs – and you were able to turn it over to your best pitcher in Will Cannon and let him close it out. You love to see that. Getting that win was huge. We went into the weekend saying, hey, Auburn's got to find a way to get one. How do you follow up a game one win? You jump all over South Carolina again. First two innings, you have a 6 to nothing lead thanks to a couple home runs out of Nate LaRue, Bobby Pierce, uh, Cole Foster, Casey Howell getting some stuff done with a couple singles scoring some runs. South Carolina gets one back. And Cooper McMurray tacks on two more with a home run. You really he hits two home runs in the game actually to get you up to nine runs. South Carolina tried to rally a little bit late, um, but never got within four runs. Again, up and down the lineup, guys producing. Stanfield had hit again. Ike Irish had a hit again. Bobby Pierce another two hit game. Cooper McMurray another two hit game. Cole Foster a couple hits. Casey Howe a couple hits. Nate Larue couple of hits as mm-hmm. it looks like he's starting to heat up a little starting bit to get, trying to get waking up a little bit no doubt exactly and you get a solid outing out of um herber holes um he goes four innings one at one run baseball isbel a little rockier but uh connor copeland gives you four innings of two run relief you love to see that you only walk six guys in that game when you limit the walks this team's got a chance to win with how good this offense is and then game three, you jump on them yet again. You get up 4 nothing. They chip away, cut it to 4-2. to two. Then Nate LaRue with another home run. Bryson Ware, Cole Foster, Nate, La- <clears throat> Nate LaRue, Bryson Ware again, and Bobby Pierce all hit home runs. You hit five home runs in that game in a loss. Uh, it was just, you knew at some point 
<clears throat> South Carolina was probably going to get one, and they got one in this one. Uh, they came back. They took that eight to six lead off the three-run home run in the seventh inning out of the nine-hole hitter, first home run of the year. How about Before that, that huh? at bat, he was two of twenty-four with runners in scoring position, and he hits a three-run bomb there. But you got to come away from this weekend extremely enthused. You do because your your lineup was really strong. Your pitchers did enough to get it done. You really probably weren't expected to get a game. I mean, one game was probably the maybe the expectation. You go and get two, you win the series on the road at a top three team. You're feeling pretty good coming home against an LSU team that is so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's important to, to isolate and separate the South Carolina series versus this LSU series. There's no doubt that Auburn should have confidence going into the LSU series this weekend because you went in and did something that you were not supposed to do, that nobody gave you any chance to do, which was win the series and have a chance to sweep the series at number two South Carolina. Uh, But I go back to last Thursday when we had Lindsey Crosby in the studio, as we normally do on Thursdays throughout baseball season, talking all things baseball, including Auburn. And we were breaking down the schedule and looking ahead to what the last four or so series showed for Auburn and SEC play and looking at their win totals. They were seven. They had seven wins in the SEC going into the South Carolina series. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Lindsey put the number around 13 wins. You have to get uh, to feel really good. You've got to get to 14. 14. 13 is on the line, basically. You're, you're, You've got like a, between, I think, a 28 and 38% chance of making the postseason. Well, let's run with the 14 number. Look at what two wins against South Carolina does for you. You're There's now sitting room. at nine, and you have a chance to you, you keep yourself alive and above water. You're still treading, and your lips are just sticking out of the top of the water, but you're still alive if you're Auburn yes. because and- you have nine wins. If you pick up the one against LSU that we talked about. 10, you just got to win the final two series against the two not very good teams. Yes, exactly. So that's what Auburn did this week in Auburn baseball, that is. Not only did they go on the road and beat number two South Carolina, they gave themselves a, a fighter's chance because you now have a chance to get to the postseason. And we know what it takes in baseball. We know how it is in college baseball especially. Just get to the postseason. Here's here's what's even more significant about this series against South Carolina. Auburn taking two out of three. It gives them plenty of breathing room, plenty of hope that they're going to make it to Hoover because there was a stretch there. Go, going into the state series, you had to win the state series. Mm-hmm. You had to. And, and you found a way to do that. If you had lost that, you were in a rough spot going into the South Carolina LSU series. Now that you've won the back-to-back series here, you're nine and twelve. You're four games clear of the of Missouri and Ole Miss. Who are those final two series, by the way? Who are teams who the bottom two teams in the league do not go to Hoover? So, yes, you have this LSU series against a fifteen and five LSU team, number one in the country, thirty-five and eight overall. Take one, take one. And then you're at 10 wins, and you've got the two worst teams in the league left on the schedule. Mm-hmm. If you win both of those series, you're at 14, you're healthily in Hoover, win a game in Hoover, and there's no doubt you're playing postseason baseball. And at this point in time, if Auburn just makes the tournament, it's a successful season 
considering what we know about how rough it's been on the mound, how you lost your ace for the entire year. I mean, all of these things have not gone according to plan. Making the postseason is huge. And we know baseball more than any other any other of the sports. It's about just getting in and then you got a chance. It's about getting hot, getting in at the right time. And who knows what can happen. We saw it last year. Ole Miss was the last team in the field. They won the national championship. Yep. They and that's all it takes. Championship. That's all it takes. You just got to get there. And that's what Auburn baseball did this weekend. So uh, congrats to those guys for going on the road and and, and keeping their season alive. I, I think you can put that on. You could You could write that out and say, Auburn baseball kept their season alive, possibly saved their season with a win at South Carolina. No midweek game this week because of finals over at the university. So they have all week to focus on exams and not worry about baseball before LSU comes into town. So congratulations to the baseball team. In other news in Auburn athletics, you had another team that took on an SEC foe. Oh yeah, the same SEC foe. How about Auburn softball taking care of business against South Carolina? They take two or three against the Gamecocks in Columbia as well. And Auburn softball in a really, really good spot heading down the home stretch in SEC play. Yeah, 37 and 15, 13 and 8 uh, in conference play. They are playing extremely well here of late. They have won, uh, they beat LSU. Uh, they got a ranked series win against LSU. They took care of their midweek game against Jacksonville State. They took two out of three on the road at Alabama. Then they took two out of three against South Carolina on the road. That is three straight conference series wins, two of which coming on the road. South Carolina was not ranked at the time of the series, but they were ranked 25th the week before. So that's a that's a postseason team in South Carolina. You're now sitting there. You've you've gone six and three in your last nine in conference play you have climbed up to 13 in the d1 softball poll you've got one series left against mississippi state if you handle your business you should be in my mind hosting a regional for the first time since the myers days i believe and look you should handle business this weekend against Mississippi State. They're the, six and four, 14 in conference right. play. They're the second worst team in the league. Go handle your business. Win two out of three, ideally sweep. And you've got a heck of a resume. Not only not only because of what you've done, like because of the way you've challenged yourself in non-conference play. You've gone and played several high major teams. Pitt, Indiana, Illinois. Um, you you took on, I believe you went, you played Georgia Tech. You went on the road. You played Northwestern, who's a really good program. They're ranked 17th and number one, Oklahoma. That weekend didn't go your way. You went 0-4 against those, those, in those four games. But you've challenged yourself, and you've now, over the course of conference play, built a resume that I think is competitive to be able to, to host a regional. I talked about in the first hour that if our listeners haven't been watching the NBA and NHL playoffs are doing themselves a disservice, 
I think even more with this Auburn softball team, if you have not been watching them or been going to the games, you're doing yourself an even bigger disservice because this team is a lot of fun. There's a lot of personality on this team. There's a lot of talent on this team. You look at Denver Bryant. I think of somebody like her who is just so vocal and just so they wear their emotions she wears her emotions on her sleeve right it's just so much fun you know the high energy that she is how about maddie penta on the mound or on the in the circle i should say who is dominant for Auburn softball right now maddie penta is up there i mean she did on sunday yeah i'm telling you it's unbelievable no hitter yeah run rule no hitter in the complete game it was it was just so much fun because this team has a lot of talent and I have a feeling that uh, our good friend Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will have a few things to say about this Auburn softball team as they have Mississippi State this coming weekend. Again, no midweek for them either because of finals over at the university. Yeah, they were supposed to play Alabama State. They were. That's been canceled. Mm-hmm. you got to take care of business against Mississippi State this weekend because they're 47th in the RPI. State is – Auburn is sitting right there at 20 to feel comfortable – You'd like to climb into that top 16 to feel good about your chance to host a regional. So a little bit of work left to do, but you are squarely in that discussion right now. Very successful weekend for Auburn baseball and softball, both going on the road and taking care of business of the game and the Gamecocks in Columbia, South Carolina. But when we come back, we'll talk some Auburn basketball portal news and maybe the rumblings going on with Bruce Pearl and that staff. Plus, we'll catch up on Auburn football some more as well before we welcome in Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30. But until then, if you want to be a part of the show, give us a call, 334-321-1390. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio for On the Line here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Carter Bird. Got a few more minutes before Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us to talk all things Auburn <laughs> athletics about uh, what's going on in the world of Auburn athletics. It's been a very busy time yes. with baseball, softball, and transfer portal. Yeah, with guys um, coming on visits for the transfer portal for football, for basketball, uh, with guys leaving, with baseball and softball playing. So much stuff going on. Uh, I was just laughing in the, during the break. Um, so I guess it was 10 days ago. 10 days ago, Tavares Dawson in the transfer portal committed to Cincinnati. Right. And then 50 He has not tweeted anything since. Anything since. And then 50 minutes ago, there was just an announcement by like on three that he's committed to Colorado. So I guess he flipped. Was that a secret visit or something that nobody knew I have about no clue i, I remember yeah that was clue. like what well, yeah like 10 days ago or something he committed to cincinnati yeah well now he's going to colorado he's gonna go hang out with dion i mean good for him i guess <laughs> i mean i i just don't know what to think about the colorado situation i know you had some words for it on one of the days last week that i was not here uh when i was out calling lee scott baseball which by the way i will have games on wednesday uh lee scott baseball on the road at rival glenwood the gators hosting us the lee scott warriors uh the state semifinals on wednesday uh 3 30 and 5 30 on au 100 au 100 fm.com and the au 100 app but I know that you had some some words about the situation at Colorado. 
I just don't know what to think about it, man. They've had a record number of guys transfer out of that program. And I know that Dion said he was going to, you know, he was coming and bringing his bags and telling everybody to dip out and get out well, of Dodge. His but, quote on the Pat McAfee show was, I mean, in order to, I guess, bring in new furniture and, and furnish his new home, he's got to get rid of the old furniture. Yeah. I don't I mean, love some of the analogies he's using because it feels very. It feels like the best interest of the kids is not at heart for a coach. It like it feels very what's the word I'm looking for? Brash and he comes across as a jerk. And yeah, one, but I understand it's gonna be yeah. awesome when they're one and four and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and I get it. Like I get it. He's going into a program that is historically bad right now. And he is yes. and he right now, it, it it's bad right now. And he is going in there with the mindset of there, whether this is the right mindset or not. He's going in with the mindset of there is nothing good here. Right. I'm going to wipe this thing clean and restart. But dude, you got to have enough guys to play because right now he's gonna have no depth on. He has nobody on the offensive and defensive line, and they're gonna get smoked for it. Watch how the rhetoric is going to change when they start one and four. It's gonna change from. Oh, we're bringing in talent. Like, we know what we've got coming in. Everybody else may not know, but we know what's coming in. When they start one and four, it's going to change to we're just building young men and building character and building, helping prepare these guys for the future. It's going to change, I promise you. Oh, it will. Because we've not seen Deion Sanders have to deal with losing as a head coach. At, at Jackson State, he was able to bring in immediate talent. He was able to win. When they're not winning and they're getting bullied, bullied by TCU, by Utah, by Oregon, by USC, and a bunch of other schools, I just want I want to see what those interviews look like because I promise you they're going to be different than the ones right now. There's no shot that Deion Sanders is is so blinded and it's so biased that and is so gullible that he is truly there's no way he's walking into to Colorado in year one and expecting to win, right? There's no shot. There's no way he actually expects to win. He may say he is, because that's what coaches do, but he knows what's going on. And he knows that he is wiping out the entire program and restarting from scratch. They're not going to be good. I don't think it's a successful way to do it. I understand you got to get the get the bad ones out and get the good ones in, but you got to have enough guys to play. You got to have guys that can build a team to have depth and actually be able to complete a season. And when you set the record for the most guys entering the transfer portal, that's not a great way to do it. I just don't think it is. And look, maybe he'll maybe he'll do it. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But uh, good for good for him. And maybe it'll. Maybe it'll work, but uh, I, I wrote a prediction down <laughs> on a sticky note. I dated it, but my prediction is we'll Utah runs for 400 yards on Colorado to end their season. That's the last game of the year? Last game of the year. Colorado's going to be banged up because they're going to be bullied by everybody. They're, they're going to have run. a horrible, wow. horrible, horrible record. And I promise you that Utah team, with the style that they play under Kyle Whittingham, they're going to get really big, and they're going to run it down Colorado's throat. And Colorado, 
is going to be decimated in that game. They Utah may not have to throw a pass, but they're going to run for 400 yards on them. Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. I just don't think Colorado is going to be good. They no, don't have. Not. They don't have the There's players. A reason why the win totals at four and a half? Under. Go under. I, I know they have a couple of of non conference games. Beat Nebraska. But Nebraska's going to get big, physical, and tough, and lean on them. Dude, give me the under. And Nebraska's not a good team. I haven't looked at Colorado's schedule, but I don't even care. Give me the under. I'm sure. You, are you about to pull it up? Yeah, I am. Give me what it's four and a half. That's the betting total for Colorado's wins this year. At TCU to open the year. Loss. Loss. Nebraska, game Loss. two. They're gonna get leaned on in both those games. Colorado State. Mm. It could get interesting. Could get interesting. Then you're at Oregon. Yikes. USC at home. At Arizona State. There's a non-zero chance they're 0-6 to start the year. I think at best you're one in five. Yeah, I was going to be generous and give Colorado you're State. You're going to Stanford. You're going to lose at UCLA. You're going to lose to Oregon State. You're going to lose at Washington State. You're going to lose at, U- at Utah. Arizona's going to beat you. They might win two games. Yeah, give me under four and a half Colorado in 2023 wins. That is an easy money win right there. But when we come back, Jacob Hilbert of the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk Auburn athletics from over the weekend. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes left on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and he is Carter Bird here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. And welcoming in Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us every Monday at 3.30. Hillman, it was a uh, busy weekend for Auburn Athletics with baseball and softball both taking care of business in Columbia, South Carolina. You can start wherever you'd like, baseball or softball. Both of them got big-time wins over the weekend. Yeah, it really was a Columbia takeover for the Tigers this weekend, obviously. Auburn baseball getting games one and two, and then and softball getting uh, games one and three. I mean, like like you said, I don't know where to start because just so much happened in Columbia for both squads, and uh, it was a really impressive weekend for Auburn. So I'll let you drive the show, Jacob. <laughs> well, Hillman, I bring you on so I don't have to do that. That's that's <laughs> that's Fine. why I Let's was hoping you would just uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk some baseball. Well, we'll start there with Auburn going on the road to number two South Carolina, a series where most people said just get one, right? Just get a win. Keep yourself alive. Keep yourself in the hunt. And Auburn said, we'll do you one better. How about two? And Hillman, they had a chance to get all three and just came up short on Sunday but a massive series win for Auburn baseball against the number two team in the country in your eyes what was what was the factor that led them to get that win over the number two South Carolina Gamecocks yeah it had to be the pitching staff and especially the starting pitching uh, on Friday from Tommy Vale and then Christian Herbert Holes and Connor Copeland holding it down in, in game two Herbert Holes he he walked some guys but he really battled in at bats and didn't let uh, too many at bats get away from him, and I feel like those walk numbers could have led uh, to a loss, and they didn't because of the way he batted. And then obviously Connor Copeland, man, he has been a superstar these last two weekends, closing out that game three win in a rubber game against Mississippi State, and then getting the series win again in game two on Saturday. It, it, it was really impressive to watch, and really you felt good about the pitching even on Sunday because uh, 
you brought in some guys at the end of the game that hadn't had a ton of SEC experience, and when that happens, obviously uh, something's bound to happen in that three-run home run in the seventh inning. What was what did Auburn in? And there's nothing wrong with that after you've gotten uh, uh, the, the the series win because you, you go up for nothing, and and honestly, it's kind of one of those things where you feel like, dang, Auburn should have gotten a sweep this weekend at the number two team in the country, and even though they didn't do that, I mean, like you said, people were saying, go get one. I was one of those saying, just go get one, come back to LSU, get one. And now you're in position to do a lot more than that and, and climb your way into positioning for the SEC tournament and, and things like that. It, it, it was a really big weekend for Auburn, and I thought the pitching uh, was impressive, especially in games one and game two. When you look at, at, at this pitching staff that's been so young and inexperienced all year and you're starting to see a couple guys start to step up, how does that make you feel as Auburn looks towards the rest of this season? They got number one LSU this weekend and a couple winnable series. And uh, how, how are you starting to feel about Auburn's postseason hopes? Yeah, I'll start with the postseason hopes. And you're in position. You, you have the chance to really uh, make something out of what – some probably thought was nothing, and you're able to go and play against some of the top teams in the country this week and last weekend against South Carolina and now LSU, and then you close out the year against Missouri and Ole Miss team that they aren't having the years that they've been having. So an opportunity to really uh, get some series wins that you might have missed out on early in the year because that pitching staff is still growing. But, you know, the pitching staff, you've got a solid Friday night guy now, Tommy Vale. He is going to be your Friday night guy, and he's continuing to – I think he's I think he's continuing to improve in ways where he's getting strikeouts. He's uh when he walks guys, he doesn't let them score. He doesn't let that hurt him as much. And then Christian Herbert holes uh, in game two. I think he's solidified himself as that game two guy and uh like I said, he just battled and hit bat so much on Saturday. And then having Connor Copeland be able to go four innings in relief, that's really impressive and who knows what they might try to do on Sunday. That's that, that's a different story, potentially Copeland there, but we'll see when we get to it um, again this weekend and, and in the following weeks. It, it's just really impressive to see those guys. And also, we, we didn't see a Zach Crossfeld. We didn't see a John Armstrong this past weekend because they were both uh, uh, trying to get healthy. So whenever they're back and ready to go, and that's hopefully this upcoming week with no midweek game and, and just rest and, and focusing on finals, uh, it, it, that's the goal is to have the – full arsenal ready for LSU and then hopefully for the rest of the year and just just continuing to grow because we've seen it all throughout the year uh, whether it's the ups and downs uh, this pitching staff is trending upward for sure and Hillman one thing that we've been talking about today is baseball it seems like more than than any other collegiate sport just get in right that's the mindset is just get into the postseason because you just never know what's going to happen well and where Auburn stands right now, it would be a three-seed in the regional, but if you play your way into a two-seed, then, then things get even more exciting, and, and that's where Auburn had been in that 2019 College World Series run, obviously last year hosting, but this, this offense can play with anyone. Uh, up and down the lineup, you're seeing guys like Bobby Pierce and Cooper McMurray just come alive in the recent weeks. Both of those guys hit north of 400 in this past week, and I, I just really think that with that lineup that has just been so strong all year long and the pitching continuing to get better and better and, and get a little bit healthier, then you're going to put yourself in a position to do big things at the end of the season. And, and that showed this past weekend, and now you have an opportunity to do it in front of 
uh, your home crowd against the top-ranked team in the nation that uh, has really just been dominant all year long. So I, I really think that both that this team offensively and defensively has really come together. And uh, whether one guy is off with the bat or, or not, someone's going to pick him up. For, for example, I mean, Ike Irish leads the SEC in doubles, and I, I don't think he had his best weekend this past weekend. But like I said, Bobby Pierce, Cooper McMurray, doing what they did, it really didn't matter. So uh, having guys like that to do that, it just really helps this team continue to battle and, and go through this season. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us at 3.30 every Monday here on On the Line. The other team for Auburn this weekend that went on the road to South Carolina and took care of business, the team that you are heavily involved with on the broadcast for the Auburn Sports Network, Auburn softball went to Columbia and took two out of three against the Gamecocks, who were previously ranked, were just outside the top 25 this weekend. But another big win for Auburn softball. That's two in a row in SEC play, including, or it's three in a row in SEC play, including that big win against Alabama two weeks ago. And they've got Mississippi State this weekend before SEC play. What did you see in Columbia this weekend? Well, talk about a bounce back for the offense on Sunday after getting no hit on Saturday. You, you lose eight to nothing, and and like I said, no hits uh, for the offense. But then you bounce back and you score ten runs in a run rule fashion, and that's such a big deal for this team. And and finding a consistent pace with the bats and how because we know what Matty Vincent can do. Obviously, pitching Auburn's first SEC no hitter since two thousand six yesterday in that five inning showing. That that's a that's a huge deal and and like I said we know that Matty Penta is one of if not the best pitcher in the SEC. It's a matter if these bats can stay consistent, score runs in different ways. This team is second in the SEC in home runs, but yesterday you have three doubles, you have RBIs in different ways. Just just passing the baton and doing it like that, you only hit one home run, and it was a solo home run from Isis Trusvik. Other than that, Auburn was scoring in different ways, and I think that was a major positive for this team and, and, and its outlook because uh, you look at the sixth inning on that Sunday win against Alabama to take the series. It was Bree Ellis. She hit a single to drive in a run. And then Denver Bryant, right after her, does the exact same thing with a double in the gap to score a run. Those are the different ways to score other than just a home run here and a home run there. So uh, if the bats find the consistency like they did on Sunday against South Carolina and at Alabama, then, then, then look out because this team – is on the verge of hosting if they're not already kind of in that position. And this this last weekend against Mississippi State will be big. Uh, Bulldogs aren't in position to do much in the SEC. They're in last place. So uh, for Auburn, it's an opportunity to really uh, uh, maybe add to the resume, get, maybe get a sweep, and, and hopefully the Bats can continue to stay hot. What more has to happen for Auburn to lock up a host for you? Yeah, I, I think winning this series this weekend and – I think I think a series win can do that for you, but a, a sweep would really do it. Uh, as far as the RPI goes, I think Auburn is is climbing up there towards the top sixteen. They were nineteen last time I looked. Let's see where they're at right now because that that's kind of what the committee looks at. And uh, Auburn's at twenty, so I think a sweep this week and and you do that and you're in pretty good positioning. And you're third place in the SEC right now. Tennessee and Arkansas tonight. Uh, in Fayetteville is a big game for Auburn because uh, if Arkansas is to win that game, then Auburn and Arkansas would be tied in the standings for third place. 
but if Tennessee wins, then obviously Auburn's ahead. And uh, that's a big deal when you get to SEC play. and You want to have a, a double bye, and it's just so tight between those three and five spots with Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama that you want to be in that conversation and, and potentially win a game or two in Fayetteville where the SEC tournament is. So whether it's win two this weekend and win one in the SEC tournament or sweep this weekend and, and do what you do in the SEC tournament, I think that can get you in the hosting conversation. And, and it's SEC softball. So obviously there is uh, there, it's the toughest conference to play in the country, and, and, and we'll see how that relates to the committee and the selection process. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines. A little bit of transfer portal news and some noise around uh, Auburn football and Auburn basketball as it has gotten a little bit busier than it has over the past week or so. We saw a couple of guys for Auburn football enter their name into the transfer portal. But Hillman, there are a lot of guys flocking to the Plains for visits to see Hugh Freeze and this coaching staff. No, it's really interesting to see uh, how quickly those those visits happen. It's it, it, it's just the new day and age that we're in, and, and and it's how you have to do it. I think, and we talked about it last week, how different this kind of spring part of the portal feels, and how it's slower, not a lot's going on, and I, I just it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the grad transfers enter. I think after all the graduations wrap up, and and guys are able to do that and kind of have full reign of what they want to do. Uh, I think that's why we haven't seen as much movement as we thought we would over these last two weeks when, when the portal was open. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really interested to see what kind of guys uh, come into the program and, and, and what they say about it and how that translates to some of the grad transfers that might uh, join Auburn in, in the summer or whenever they do. Because, like you said, it, it just, it, it, it's been slower. It's been interesting to see what guys visit and, and how quickly they've done it. So, I'm looking forward to what uh, commitments are upon us and, and, and who signs with the Tigers in the coming months. Which, uh, which, which program do you feel better about right now in this portal period, the, the football program or the basketball program? That's an interesting question because it's different situations, obviously. And, you know, what I'll say is I, I think the basketball program, getting those two commitments were big. Obviously, there's, there's in a way, there, there's less roster turnover in basketball and I think that all I think Auburn's done a good job coach Pearl's done a good job at replacing that whereas football's in this almost in this rebuilding mode and uh there's still a long way to go so uh what what's happened there has been impressive especially with the past recruiting class and and some of the freshmen you come in uh I think we're still waiting and seeing a little bit on the football side of things for the transfer portal and what grad transfers enter and and things that nature whereas I think basketball uh, has been more about getting guys quickly and obviously getting Denver Jones and Chaney Johnson. That's been a big deal for that team. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Again, he joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on On the Line. Hillman, we appreciate you and your time. As always, man, you've uh, you've been with me for a while now. As uh, I'm pretty sure we're <laughs> over a year that you've been with me on every Monday, so I do appreciate you a whole lot, yeah. man. Well, I appreciate y'all for having me on, and it's always a blast to talk to the ball with you. Well, as baseball and softball are, are getting down the home stretch in SEC play and before postseason play, how can everybody keep up with you and the Auburn Sports Network and all the broadcasts you guys have going on? 
Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. I'll be on the call all weekend for Auburn and Mississippi State softball at Jane B. Moore Field. And then Andy Bertram, Brad Law will have the call from Plainsman Park. Auburn and number one LSU Friday through Sunday. Those games kind of the, the timings work out where you can catch most, if not all, of both of those games over the weekend. So tune in at AE Sports Network. That's where you can find all the coverage details. Hillman, we appreciate you, brother. We'll talk to you next Monday, all right? Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Again, joins us every Monday at 3.30 right here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news as we uh, get out of here for the Monday edition of On the Line, but uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. just got hit for the Atlanta Braves. The, the Braves hold, held on for game one yes, of the did. day against the Mets, 9-8, to eight, so a very high-scoring affair there in New York City. But uh, Ronald Acuna was up to bat in the top of the first of this second game and took a ball, a fastball, to the top part of the shoulder and was unable to... Stand on first. He's now in the dugout. Uh, we'll, I mean, we won't be on the air too much longer, but hopefully Bill and Dan can kind of update you, and if we get any updates between now and tomorrow, uh, we can update you on that as well. But, uh, man, I just – hopefully he's okay, right? Hopefully Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves is okay because it just seems like, man, if he stays healthy, the Braves are the best team in baseball, but he just deals with so many injuries so often. And so uh, hopefully – Hopefully, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is okay as we're watching this game, the Braves and the Mets. But big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us as he does every single Monday at 3.30, talking Auburn baseball and softball. Again, they got big wins against South Carolina over the weekend. Auburn baseball really keeping their season alive. Auburn softball is trying to secure themselves to host uh, in the postseason. And so softball uh, has one series left against Mississippi State. You heard Jacob Hillman say the uh, bottom team in the SEC. So softball has a really good chance at home this weekend to take care of business. And baseball has massive uh, a massive opportunity to play the number one team in the country, the LSU Tigers. And so stay tuned here on ESPN 106.7 all week long. We uh, maybe have some tickets to give away for Auburn baseball versus LSU this weekend we'll have to do some some big time giveaways as the number one tigers come to plainsman park this weekend but uh yeah man i go back to to ronald acuna with the braves and just i mean gotta stay healthy man i hope he's all right it didn't look didn't look great i'll be honest with you he, he sat down in the grass for a while getting looked at by multiple trainers and is up and in the dugout somewhere he may have gone back to uh to the locker room but hopefully he's okay and just it's just one of those things where He's got to stay healthy for the Braves to be successful long term. Yeah, one hundred. I mean, this Braves team is really good. They can absorb some injuries, but yes, having this team at full strength, I think they're the best team in baseball. We still have not seen them at full strength. We haven't the the closer Raziel Iglesias is still on IL. I think he is starting to approach coming back, but it'd be a real shame to lose Acuna. I'm hopeful he'll be okay. Uh, I mean, to to take that hit on the shoulder, um, hopefully there's enough cushion there that this is just precautionary. Uh, it would be 
a big loss to lose him, especially with the way that he's playing right now. Yeah, Pilar um, just got put in as a pinch runner and it's going to stay in. I will say that I I would rather it happen on a play like that where he was hit with the pitch rather than it be on a swing, him to be grabbing at that shoulder, because then we'd be talking about structural damage to the shoulder. More, you're more likely talking about structural damage. I guess it still can mm-hmm. happen with a hit by pitch. Uh, hopefully, Ronald Acuna is okay. Yeah, maybe just to bruise. And he was standing in in the right-handed batter's box in and turned away and got hit in the top back left of his shoulder. I don't know exactly where. I'm not a uh, not a medical professional, but. That's where it seemed to get hit was right there. And so uh, hopefully, like you said, maybe this is just a precautionary thing. Uh, yeah, Acuna hit clearly uh, by a pitch in the left shoulder, according to David O'Brien, who is one of the lead uh, Atlanta Braves beat writers. And so uh, we'll see. He writes for The Athletic. And so we'll see. Uh, don't know if he'll come back in this game or not, but it is top of the first Braves and the Mets uh, in this other game, trying to get this series in with the rain there in New York, kind of pushing everything back this week. But hey, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and catch up and listen to the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be commercial free right after the show today. So be sure you go and uh, catch up with that. We talked a lot of the massive weekend in sports. And uh, we talked about Auburn football and the transfer portal. Still lots to cover on that. We didn't even get close to talking about all that today. So we'll get into some more of that tomorrow. Plus, Auburn basketball. We'll get into some of the news and rumors around that as well. Uh, And tomorrow should be a fantastic show. And reminder, on Wednesday, I will not be here. Carter will have you. Uh, We have a new guest on Wednesday. And we'll see who else Carter can uh, drag in here as well. But I will be out for Lee Scott Baseball in the state semifinals on the road at Glenwood on a you 100 so that's what's coming up over the next couple of days but we are out of time here on the monday edition of on the line stay tuned though the drive with bill cameron and dan peck coming up from four to six right here on espn 1067 but until tomorrow from two to four right here on espn 1067 stay safe i'll talk to you later